Good morning. That was oh, that was decent. Good morning. There we go. Uh, man, so excited to be here this morning. Uh, my voice is stripped right now. I don't know if you're like me, but man, I just kind of got into some of that and um, just so thankful. That that's not just songs this morning somebody decided to put on paper for us, but that's just who God is. That's what he does. And this morning, we get to just be part of that. We get to come in the room and, and experience God, and I, I love that. It's more than singing songs this morning, and it's more than just hearing somebody open the, this book and like read some stuff out of it this morning. It's, it's an opportunity that we get every week just to come into the presence of God together. You can do it alone, right? But we get to come into the presence of God together and we get to just hear from Him. And I, and I love that. And this morning I'm believing that, that we're going to hear from Him again. I don't know about you. Um, that was your cue, by the way. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, me and Jada got this. Um, but man, I just believe that for us this morning. And if I didn't, I would be somewhere else because I don't want to just come sing songs. I can do that in the car. But man, this morning, uh, before we lean into this word, I just, I don't know, I just feel like we just got to breathe in this moment for a minute. And I just want to give you a minute just to pray. Um, last week, we talked about in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says how the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers that they can't see um, God, they can't see Jesus. And this morning, I just maybe we can just pray, and maybe there are no unbelievers in here, and that'd be awesome, um, but there are unbelievers in, on this planet, right? Um, and this morning, maybe we could just pray that God would just remove that. He'd just remove that veil that, that people could see him. So this morning, maybe you have somebody in mind, maybe you are the somebody in mind, and this morning I just want to invite you just in this moment to just pray that God would just do that, that he would open up people's eyes, and maybe ours. So let's pray. That's your cue. Um, Father God, this morning we just want to ask you um, just to do the things that we can't do. God, this morning that you would just... Break that spiritual blindness in this place. God, that this morning that your word would be um, accessible to us. That God, this morning that you would just say the things that we can't say. God, we can make intellectual arguments and we can maybe even try to convince people that you are who you are. But spiritually, it's more than that. You have to come in and you have to resurrect that person and you have to break spiritual blindness to do it. God, we believe that the enemy is nothing compared to you. You've already defeated him. That God, you, you put up with him for a little while longer and one day you're going to crush him under your feet forever, finally. And, and God, this morning, we just know that he's no match for you. So God, this morning, I'm not praying to hope that you get the help to be enough to overpower him. You've already overpowered him. I'm just asking Jesus, so you know my heart, that God, you would just open up our eyes. God, maybe for some of us today, we know you, and we just need our eyes open to the fact that there's something greater than saying a prayer and coming to church. So remove spiritual blindness from us. And maybe for some of us this morning, Jesus, we don't know you, and we just need you to come and just... Open our eyes. See, the reality is we don't get to decide when we come to know Jesus. Jesus decides when we get to come to know Jesus. And this morning, I'm just praying for that kind of grace in this place. God, we love you. We thank you. I'm praying for power from the Holy Spirit this morning. 
God, I need you. It's your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, this morning, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, I'll give you a moment to get there. Um, we've been talking about this series the past few weeks called The Good News. Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, I'm pretty much a fan of The Good News. I would be dead, by the way, without The Good News. We talked about The Bad News last week, right? That The Bad News is that without Jesus, we're all spiritually dead sinners under the power of Satan and headed towards the wrath of God. But through Jesus, right, we are all sons and daughters of God. That's amazing. That's a good transition right there. That we're not only sons and daughters of God, but we're seated in heaven. That's good. Come on, church. That's good stuff. And we are destined for good works. I love that. See, in reality this morning, it's not just that God saves us and drops us off in a pew or a chair inside of a building and he just kind of hopes we figure it out. There's actually a plan for our lives and that Jesus has laid these works out ahead of us. He has a desire for us to just be active, right, in the mission of God, and that is grace. And this morning, we're going to talk about a common piece of that mission of God in 2 Corinthians 2, something that... You can't say that I'm not called to that or you can't say that I'm not part of that, something that's true for all of us. Because maybe the reality this morning is we're not all going to be preachers. Thank the Lord that could be long, right? And we're not all going to be singers because, I mean, we, we would, although that would be awesome, right? That would be a lot of people on stage and they wouldn't have anybody to sing to. And we're not all going to be like evangelists and we're not all going to be missionaries. And, you know, like we're not all going to have those titles, but we all do have a mission. And it's all tied back to the good news. Now, the good news when we hear that is the what? The gospel, right? Like it's the literal translation of gospel. It's the good news. So when we say the good news, we are doing a series, yes, just about the gospel. But we're going to kind of take a little spin on it because news is something that's meant to be shared. I have a definition for news back there. News is newly received which the gospel's not that it's been around for a while or noteworthy right it is that information especially about recent or important events that is the definition of news that news is newly received or noteworthy information even from about 2000 years ago uh, especially about recent events or important events that is what news is and and news is actually so important that we have ways to distribute news. We have like broadcasting networks to distribute news. And if you, you like one opinion over another, you can even pick your news network and they'll tell you what you want to hear, right? Like you have one, it's like this is the point of view and you have one, this is the point of view. It's not really news anymore, it's opinion, but it's the same idea. Um, we have like local news. You can hear about what's happening in Knoxville, not much. Or you, you have national news and you can hear about what's happening there. Also, probably not very much. But, but you can pick where you want to hear your news from. You can pick where your news is. We have newspapers, right? I don't know if you know what those are, but they're, you know, paper. That's this stuff if you've never seen it. And uh, they, they print on there what's happening I know it's weird, uh, and, and you, can, you can sit down and read it. It'll, they'll deliver it to your house if you want, or you can go to the gas station and get one. You should try that one day just as an experiment. Just go find a newspaper. It's archaic technology, but you could go do that. Or like today, we can even get news on our phone, right? Like we even get news alerts now. You don't even have to look for the news. It'll just sometimes pop up on your phone. It's like, oh, cool, I know stuff. Like news is important, and we have ways to distribute it because it's important, but there's also news that's different right 
not local news or national news, but spiritual news. And the spiritual news is that Jesus came, the Son of God, right? And he lived a perfect life in our place, and he died on a cross for us, and he made this great exchange where he became Jesus, the sinner, and we became, fill in the blank, your name, the forgiven, the saints, the free. And there's good news in that. And that good news is for everybody, but Jesus didn't 2,000 years ago start a TV network to distribute that news. He didn't need one. He had another plan. He didn't start a newspaper to distribute that news. He had a different plan, and that plan is you, the church, the people who've received the news would be the carriers of the news. Can I just say today that that's something that we've completely lost in the church, Right? Some we've completely lost in the church. I, I mean, there's a few people, just weird people. We look at them strange because we never see it, right? Like a, I was at um, Gaddy's the other day, and we were eating, and there was a guy that just stood up, and he started just yelling the gospel across the restaurant. And no matter how you think about that, right, like at least he was doing something. Uh, John actually met the same guy, do you say, like two weeks later, a week later? day after okay a lot shorter period of time he met the guy uh, where the guy works and john um he like fills candy machines and stuff like that it's probably much more complicated than that but i'm trying to go fast and the guy comes out and he starts talking to john with the intent that he's going to share the gospel with john and i just think that's amazing because like we wouldn't even be talking about it if it was common right but it should be common and I don't want to talk us into that this morning. I just want to hear what God says about it. So this morning, we're going to talk about that delivery service in Second Corinthians 2. And it kind of happens towards the end of the chapter. So if you just want to get ahead, we're going to be in like verse 14-ish. The Second Corinthians is a second letter that we have anyway written by Paul. Um, if you don't know him, just find me later. I'll catch you up. But Paul, um, who wrote a lot of letters actually but it's the second letter that he has to the church at Corinth a group of people like you and me who would say that we are church word saved people that we know Jesus that we're Jesus people kind of whatever term you want to put on it but people that would say hey I know Jesus and I'm going to accumulate in masses in a building and talk about him a couple times a week like that's the church right um and he wrote this letter to these people specifically in this region um, called Corinth and it deals largely with just how you live out this faith that we have this how, how do you be a christian how do you follow jesus what does that look like and towards the end of chapter two there's this title up there that says a ministry of life life or death you probably have something similar to that in yours but he's going to talk specifically about a ministry something that we have in common that is not just paul's ministry or the pastor's ministry but everybody that would hear this letter in corinth and all those people were part of the church. Not leaders of the church at Corinth or people that were the right personality type at the church at Corinth. But everybody that would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a believer in Jesus in the church at Corinth and in every church, by the way. Paul was writing this to this information about this ministry that we all have in common today. Maybe some of you didn't know that if you know Jesus, you've been called into the ministry today right 
It's not like, oh, what, what does God want me to do? You already know what God wants you to do. He said it over and over and over again. We want to get caught up on the details, like, does God want me to be a preacher? Or God want me to be a, a musician? No, God wants you to say yes. And whatever that looks like, that's what that looks like. Whatever that manifests itself is what that manifests itself in. If God wants you to say yes, it means if you're asked to sweep, you sweep, right? Like if that's what God wants for you, that's what you do. You're not above that, right? The job may not be significant to you, but God is significant. And if he says do it, then it's significant, right? So we want to get caught up in all the details, but in reality, we've all have the same ministry, and the ministry is just simply what Jesus said to the disciples right before he ascended to, to go and make disciples of all nations. So as you are going to work or school or Walmart or wherever you're going, go and tell people about Jesus. And then he says that it, once that happens, they become disciples that were to baptize them and to teach them. That's not the preacher's job. That's our job. That's your job. That's my job. That's collectively our thing. Um, and that's the thing that we just don't do because we get so caught up on the other things. We want to sit in a seat for 30 years and pray, God, what would you have me do? And he said, well, just read like Matthew 28. But he says in 14, this is Paul talking to the church about this ministry, but thanks be to God. Now, but is a weird place to start, right? Like that's a good transitional phrase, but it's not like a good sentence starter. So like, what is he talking about? And to get that, we got to back up, bump up just like two verses to this place that says, a trip to Macedonia. Just hang with me for a minute. I promise it gets there. In 12, it says, when I came to Troas, that's a place in uh, what we would know as Turkey, kind of the coastal area there up near Greece. When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, to share the gospel is what he's saying. A door was opened to me by the Lord. That sounds amazing. Uh, But then you go on, he says in 13, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. A door was open to me, but my spirit was hurting, broken, because I didn't find Titus. But I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia, and that's where he gets to, but thanks be to God. Now, interestingly enough, you can find this story in the larger version over in Acts 16. You don't have to go there, but you can if you want to check me. Um, And he talks about here evangelization, that's a big word, in Europe. And it starts in about 6, and it's Paul here talking about this trip when we're in Troas. And he says in 6, they went through every region of Phrygia and Galatia, that's some cool names, and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in the providence of Asia. Where is Asia? Asia is Turkey. This is the same story in 2 Corinthians over here in Acts 16. And he says he went to share the gospel, but they were prevented from sharing the gospel. Now, what kind of craziness is that? We went to share the gospel and God said, no, he shut the door. He wouldn't let us share the gospel there. In 7, it says when they came to Mysia, again, a really cool name, uh, they tried to go into Bithynia. We should just name stuff other names. Um, and it says, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. Here again, tries to share the gospel. Spirit of God says, no, this is not where you're going to do it at. So two times now, he's tried to share the gospel, and God has said, no, that's not what we're going to do. That sounds really weird. Um, and it says, so bypassing Mysia, they came to Troas, 2 Corinthians 2. And a door was opened there, right? But what's it say in 9? During the night, a vision appeared to Paul. 
a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. This is the open door. The open door is, hey, go leave Troas. You've tried to present the gospel in three different places and three different times. God has said no. And for most of us, that would be the way out, right? Most of us didn't make it to three, right? We were like, well, we had the intentions to tell Billy, just picking a name, about the gospel, and then Billy didn't come to work that day, so I just, I never did. Or I started to tell, pick a name, about the gospel, and they got mad at me, so I just never did, right? We, we take like one shut door, and we're like, okay, I'm done, that was, I'm just not good at it, I'm not capable of it, I can't do it, God obviously doesn't want me to do it, because I prayed that he'd make a way, and he didn't make a way, the way we're really talking about is somebody would come up to us and say, hey, how do I get saved, because we don't really want to do any of the work, but like, we would just take the first door out, right, but here we go, Paul's going to this place, and, and God says, we're not going to talk about the gospel here, okay, and he goes to another place, we're not going to talk about the gospel here. Okay, still not giving up. Another place, we're not going to talk about the gospel here. Okay, but he doesn't give up. And then eventually, right, three failed attempts later, God says, but here's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Macedonia. That's, that's what we're doing. So Paul, unlike us, doesn't give up. He takes the open door and he goes to Macedonia, even though he doesn't see his friend Titus, right? Doesn't get to see him. Heart's broken. I wanted to see Titus. wanted to hang out with Titus. wanted to do the thing with Titus. But it's not about my feelings, is it? It's not about, like, my plan, is it? It's about his plan. We just sang that. We trust you. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. I thought I was going to hook up with Titus. We were going to win the world for Jesus. That's not what God had. He had a different plan. He sent me to Macedonia, and we see this story of where he goes to Macedonia, and it's going to be awesome, and he kind of meets some people, and some people get saved. But then this crazy thing happens. He gets thrown in jail. He's thrown in jail in Macedonia. Hold on, right? This is the open door that you're talking about. You, you, uh, You tell me no, you tell me no, you tell me no. You finally send me somewhere, and then I get thrown in jail. Thank you, God. Thanks for the plan. Love your plan. <laughs> Jesus, your plans are high, right? Like, it sounds like, how did this even happen? How does this happen? Uh, but, but he gets thrown in jail, and here this amazing thing happens when he gets thrown in jail. Um, he, he gets thrown in jail. They're singing songs in the middle of the night, and the jailer and the jailer's whole family come to know Jesus through this experience. I wanted to go in Asia, but God was concerned about the jailer. In Macedonia. I wanted to impact the city of Troas, but God was concerned about this man and his wife and his kids. Amen. See, we, we take it and we're like, if it's not a big thing, it's not a worthwhile thing. And God's like, I'll throw you in jail if I have to because I'm trying to get to this man. You, you want to do only the big things, but I just want you to do the anything, right? Like, I'm not worried about like, the masses today. I'm worried about Billy today. So we see when, when, he, when he says this word, it's, it's so loaded, isn't it? When he says, but thanks, this word but is so loaded because what he's saying in context here is I was going to do all these things. I had all these plans and God crushed all these plans. And in the context of crushing all these plans, I ended up in jail, chained to a wall. And I was just singing praise songs because that's the only songs I know. I would sing country music because it's more depressing. It's jail music, but I'm singing praise music because that's all I know. That's why it's important what you put in your heart, by the way. Um, he says, um, I'm, I'm going to sing these songs because that's all I know. 
And then God moves into the jail and he not only rescues them, but he rescues the jailer, the very man that he was sent there for in the first place. It's not always the big things that God's concerned about. Sometimes God's just concerned about the one. Our God is the God who will leave the 99 and go to the one. The church, unfortunately, is the church that only shows up when it's a big event. That only shows up when it seems worth something. That only shows up when it's for a lot of people, right? What if we had ministers that would say, you know what, when there's two people, I'm going to preach the same way I would if there were 3,000 people. What if we had Christians that said, I'm so worried about the guy in the cubicle next to me. I'm not going to sit in a chair and pray for years about what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. So Paul here says, man, I know all that stuff sounds crazy. And just go read Acts 16. All that sounds nuts. But thanks be to God that his ways are higher than my ways. Thanks be to God that he will put me in jail to wreck my plans so that he can accomplish his plans. Thanks be to God that he's so worried about the one that he won't let me miss the one worrying about the masses. Thanks be to God he won't let me waste my life chasing some big thing when God's put a really big thing right next to me. He says, but thanks be to God. And then he says this, who always puts us, look, he's bringing us in. Here's this transition moment, because a minute ago it was a bunch of really cool stuff about Paul. Man, Paul, I love Paul. I do. Paul was the man. Like, if if you want a hero in the Bible that's not Jesus, Paul's a pretty good guy. Right? Paul wrote, like, most of the things that we talk about, most of the things we believed. He, He went away for, like, three years, and he was on a mountain, like, with Jesus, right? Like, Jesus was just downloading all this theology into his brain. He's just out in the woods doing whatever, right? And then he comes back in, and he starts this ministry, and you're like, man, Paul is the man. He, he, he writes all these things, and, and we see all these letters to the churches. Paul had an effective ministry. Well, Paul had an effective ministry because he wasn't, like, trying to chase something. He was willing to get alone in the woods with God. And to say things like, thanks be to God, your plan is better than my plan. And man, I I love talking about Paul, but what Paul loves to do is he loves to say, man, there's nothing special about Paul. You know who Paul is? Paul is you if you would completely turn your life over to Jesus. Paul's just a man. Paul's a man with flesh like us and blood like us and bones like us, with a story like us, with faults like us, with issues like us. But he's a man who said, I'm willing to get alone with God and then just to do what God says to do. I'm not going to sit in a church for 30 years and wait for somebody to confirm a calling God's placed on my life. God's told me to share the gospel, and I don't need somebody's permission to do that. I already have his. So Paul says, man, thanks be to God, he's willing to put me in jail to save Billy. But then he says this, that same God, thanks be to him who always puts us, me and you, people that know Jesus, on display. Thanks be to God who puts us, me and you, people that know Jesus, on display. The word display is just, uh, it's coming something similar to it anyway there we go is it in there there we go display the word display is is a word that means make a prominent exhibition of something in a place where it can easily be seen i love that where it can easily be seen Uh, to display is to make a prominent or important exhibition of something 
in a place where it can easily be seen prominent, just in case that's, because that's a big word, I had to look it up too. It's just a word that means important or famous, that God wants to make an important display that can easily be seen. And exhibition is a public display of works of art. You ever been to an art exhibition? That's not how I relate to this, by the way. Or other items of interest held in an art gallery or museum at, or at a trade fair. See, when I think of display, I don't think of an art museum because I've don't. i been to like one of those and I'm more concerned about the food court. Um, love art, it's good. I don't can't analyze it like some people. I don't have that gift. It's like, oh, a man in a boat. That's pretty. Let's go to the next one. That's me. That's how cultured I am. Love you guys. But this is what I think of when I think of a display. Do we have that picture? That's what I think of when I think of a display. I was waiting on it back there. It's a black screen back there. <laughs> um, that's what I think of when I think of a display. Like, right, we were familiar with displays. We've been to a store at some point in time. And I just want you to see, like, what's that display advertising? The Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Now, they use... Pepsi to do a totally unrelated product, right? Like, you, you may you ever drink Pepsi while you play video games. I'm a Coke man myself, but whatever. You do you. Um, but it's advertising Nintendo Switch, this product. It's like a game thing. It's cool. I don't know much about it, but that's what it's advertising. And what it's trying to do is to draw your attention using something that's totally unrelated to this product. A display is something that's put out in the open uh, to, to advertise something thought to be important. And they love to use stuff that's completely unrelated to the original thing. So what God does is when he puts us on display, he uses us right, as advertisement. He uses us in all our faults and failures and completely unlike Jesus attributes to display a pretty amazing God. You know why? Because it's important that people see God. We're like walking Jesus billboards is what he said. We're like displays. We're put out there in easily accessible places. Hear that. So that Jesus can be easily seen. Now, I love that because most of us, we, we are on display to our fullest in this building, Right? We come in and we got our Jesus clothes on. We got like special Sunday clothes maybe. I know that it doesn't look like it, but I dress like this mostly on Sunday. It's not fancy, but it is what it is. Some of you guys do too. You got like Sunday shoes that are like, that's the deal. And through the week, you, you look different. Um, or like we act different in this building, right? Like this is the building we come in and we're like, man, I'm about it in this place. Like I'm excited about Jesus in this place. I'm going to talk about Jesus in this place. I'm going to serve Jesus in this place. And I just want to say like that's not God's plan for us. That we would all be a bunch of billboards huddled together in a warehouse. See, it doesn't do very many people any good if this is the only place that we display Jesus. See, we are meant to display him out there. That people are meant to watch you. I love that. The plan for God's life for you is that people at work would watch you and people at school would watch you and people at home would watch you and people at the Walmart would watch you. And, and Paul talks about this evidently like it's a blessing. 
Some of you hear that and you're like, I didn't sign up for that, right? Like, I, 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 I mean, I get frustrated and I get aggravated and I might say things I shouldn't say, but I'm just having fun. Like, you know, you, you could start making all the excuses about how you're the same as everybody else out there. But in reality, the truth of it is God's plan for you is that you would be so different out there. It would draw people not to what's in here, but what's in here. And Paul says, thanks be to God who always puts us on display. And the moment he's writing this from is this moment where he's telling this story about how he, he was going to this place to share the gospel. That's about your words, isn't it? He walked into the city, and he was displaying Jesus. He did that. Read his story. But he walked into the city, and he thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the gospel here. I'm going to make an impact for God here. And God said, no, you're not. You're not going to do anything. He shut the door. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to, okay, if that's shut, I'm going to go over here. This is the city. I'm going to come here, and I'm going to talk about Jesus here. And he's like, no, you're not. Shut the door. I'm going to go to Troas, and I'm going to see my friend Titus, and we're going to, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the missing piece. I just, I, I'm not going to do it by myself. I'm not going to be able to win Asia by myself. I'm going to need somebody else. I'm going to go get Titus. Love Titus. And he said, that's not a plan either. You're going to go to Macedonia. You're going to talk to some people about Jesus, and they're going to come to know him, but that's not even really why you're there. That's just a little added grace. You're going to be thrown in jail. And you know why I'm going to put you in jail? Because in, in the middle of a hopeless place, you're going to sing about hope. In the middle of a place where you're surrounded by people in, in, in bars, chained to walls, you're going to sing about how there's hope in that place place i'm going to send you to the darkness of the jail kind of in the middle where the light can't even really get to you and in the middle of the night at its darkest moment you're going to sing about the light you know why because that's where it's going to be easily seen in that moment you're not just going to be sharing the gospel you're going to become the living essence of the gospel and people are going to see that it's not just some words that you say or some argument you can make it's a way that you live this is the moment he's writing that out of i was in jail that was the plan of god i was chained to a wall that was the plan of god i was in a dark moment in a dark place but god used the dark moment and the dark place to show the light that was in me that's why jesus writes things and says things about how we're a city on a hill we're meant to be seen We were never meant to be a church that was a bunch of billboards in a warehouse. We were meant to be a city on a hill. That's why he says anybody that's a lot, you can't hide it under a bushel. You can't put it in a basket. It's meant to be seen. Actually, what happens when you cover light up is you deprive it of oxygen and it no longer is light. That's why he says things like, hey, what happens when salt loses its flavor? It's not good for anything. And I wonder, I just wonder if because we've kind of planned and counted on all these other things to draw people to Jesus, we've become a salt shaker full of flavorless salt. And either a dimly lit or an extinguished candle. Man, I love the fact that I come in this place and I have the freedom to just say, man, this is who I believe that Jesus is. And I'm surrounded by people that believe that. I love that. I'm with you. There's comfort in this place. I love coming in this place and being able to lift my hands and say, God, I believe that you do every one of those things that you say you do. I love that. 
But I just want to say, God didn't call you out of the darkness to kind of camp you out in the campfire. He, he called you out of darkness so you could be light in other darkness. So this moment Paul's writing from is, man, Jesus threw me in jail so he could get the jail keeper. Thanks be to God, he put me on display in that way. See, displays are not effective surrounded by a bunch of other displays, are they? They're only effective when they're out by themselves. That's why we put them in the middle of the store. We put them on the end cap. We put them somewhere where it can be seen. And, and God's, God wants us to be seen. So what I'm saying to you this morning is God wants you to have a platform. True story. Some of you guys are chasing platforms. God wants you to have a platform. But your platform today may be just where you work. Your platform today may be just your living room. Your platform today may be like your, your neighbor's house. Your platform today may be a, a job that you hate. Where your boss is a jerk. That could be your platform. You know why? Because that's where you stand out. You come in every day and you work your butt off for a guy that hates you. That's where you stand out. You come in every day and you go beyond what your boss asks you to do. You know why? Because of where you stand out. Why do you work harder than everybody else here? Because I know Jesus and I love Jesus and Jesus told me to. It's right there in his word. I'm not working for you. I'm working for him. So I'm going to bottle bottles the best that anybody in this room can because I'm working for Jesus, not for you. Why, why do you, you hate your school, right? You hate maybe the people that are surrounding you. Maybe, maybe you're in school and people talk about you and they run you down. Man, that's the place to show grace the most, isn't it? You don't get in that fight, right? I don't need to fight you. I know what God says about me. I don't care what you say about me. I, I love you. I forgive you. Well, man, what would that change? Some of you have fights like with maybe family members or friends or whatever, and you've not spoke for whatever. Maybe I, I forgive you. Maybe will you forgive me? I don't feel like I did anything wrong. They do. You want to be light? You want to be salt? You want to be flavorless sand in a glass jar God's called us to be different he says thanks be to God who puts us on display but I love this he doesn't say by our talents or by our abilities or by what we can do or by what we can achieve does he says in Christ you know where God wants to put you on display in Christ he wants to make you a, the Nintendo Switch display made out of Pepsi I'm nothing like him, but I'll leverage everything I have to show him. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what I can bring to the table. I don't care if people notice that I'm Pepsi or Mountain Dew or hot chocolate. It doesn't really matter to me. What they need to know is that there is a God who loves them and cares for them. And that means on the bad days and in the good days and in all the days in between, that's who I want to show. That's why God called us to be different in the first place. See, I love this because it kills that evangelistic argument of I need to blend in so I can share the message, doesn't it? Nobody cares about your words if you act just like them. Oh, Jesus loves us. I'm going to live just like you do. He didn't change anything for you. Why do I want him? Oh, Jesus forgives. Well, that's a good thing because you act worse than I do. See the hypocrisy that we've walked into in, in the church? And really what it is, and I'll just be honest with you, being different is hard, and we don't want to do it. Yeah. 
but God's called us to it. And somehow, he talks about this like it's a blessing. You mean I got to change how I talk? Yeah, and it's a blessing. You mean I got to change how I live? Yeah, and it's a blessing. You got to change how I interact with people? Yeah, and it's a blessing. I got to forgive people that have hurt me? Yeah, and it's a blessing. You you mean I got to love people that don't love me? Yeah, and it's a blessing because it sets us free from all this stuff in us into something greater than us. So that even in the darkest moments, even in the jailhouse, we can sing praise songs to God, trusting that He is who He says He is. And He'll do what He says He'll do. And at the end of the day, all things do work together for the good of those that love Him. Maybe not all things are good, but I serve a good God. And at the end of the day, I know He wants good for me. He says, but thanks be to God who puts us on display in Christ. And then he says this, and spreads through us. Here we are again. In every place, not just in the building. Spreads through us in every place, in, in the workplace, in the house, in the, in, in, the, in the dark moments, in the good moments, in the moments where my boss is a jerk, in the moments where my boss is the greatest guy on the planet, right? Like, he spreads through us in every place. The scent or the aroma of knowing him. I have the definition for aroma. Aroma is a distinctive or typically pleasant smell. In other words, if you're a Christian, your life shouldn't stink. (laughs) But I love this because it's this idea of like perfume, right? Or maybe potpourri, whatever that stuff is. I don't know what it is. It smells good. Looks like a bunch of stuff you picked up in the yard, but it somehow smells like apples, you know? He says he spreads through us in every place this aroma or this fragrance of knowing him. In other words, he puts us on display to show other people what happens in your life when you know Jesus. Why is it important to live different? Because people have to know that there is something to this thing. People have to know that there's some, I don't, I don't mean to just say this weirdly, but it, it's going to be, there's some benefit to this. That, that I, I don't want to live in my mess, do you? No, that's like part of part of the that's like one of the best parts is that God calls us up out of some of that filth and he's still calling us up out of that filth. And I'm not perfect and I'm not going to be perfect, but I can live above what I lived above a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. He's calling me out. I don't struggle with the same things I did 15 years ago. I got new struggles, but man, those old struggles, he's trampled those things down. There's some benefit to knowing Jesus. And he's like, man, the world needs to know that. And what's amazing is like fragrances are not selective, are they? Like if I get perfume up here and I'm like, and I spray it, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to fill the room. It's what it does. It's not like, ah, I kind of like you and you're cool. And yeah, you can smell me and you back there, you, you know, I'll pick you for, you can do it. Like fragrances, everybody gets that. We're not called to be the fragrance of the church or the fragrance of our Christian friends or the fragrance of, you know, the people that kind of think like we do and believe like we do or the fragrance of the moral people. We're called to be the fragrance of, like, the world. And he says, to every, you, can't, you can't be selective about what you act like around certain people. If you're two different people at any point in time of your life, then you're a lie. Your life is a lie. You can't be two different people ever. That's not how it works. Like, I don't have two weird personality Jekyll and Hyde thing. Like, it's not like I have the Christian Brad and then the Brad that hangs out with the non-Christian people. It's just me, and you're going to get me, and if you don't like me, then you're just not going to like me. 
I'm not changing for you. I love you. I'm not changing for you. If you don't love me enough to like me as I am, then I don't really care. Fragrances are not selective. And he says in every place we need to be that scent of knowing him, not just in this place. We're good at it here. It says in 15, for to God, this is what God sees, we are the fragrance of Christ, we're the aroma of Christ, we're the smell of Christ. We, we display Christ, right? I just want to ask you this. What, what do your people at work think about Christ if you're the only Christ that they see? What do the people at home think about Christ if you're the only Christ they see? What do the people at the grocery store, the people in the restaurant think about Christ if you're the only Christ they see? You know why waitresses hate to work on Sunday? Because we've made Christ a horrible smell to those people. We're the worst tippers, we're the most complainers, and we are the least friendly. What if today we left this place and we just said, you know what, if I get the best server or the worst server, I'm going to tip generously. I know it's... Is it 15 now? I don't know. It used to be 10. We were cheaper. I don't know what it is now. What if we were like, I'm going to do 25 because the standard's 20, or I'm going to do 30 because the standard's 20 because I want to bless somebody today because Jesus has blessed me. And you know what? They spill my drink on my lap. I'm going to give them 30. (laughs) If they're rude, I'm going to bless them with 30, and I'm going to tell them I love them before I leave and thank you for the wonderful job they did. They didn't do a wonderful job. But they didn't have to be here serving me today. What could we make that aroma? You, you cuss me. That's awesome. Thank you. I love you. Uh, I, I can't, you know, like I, you've offended me. I forgive you. Um, I know you don't mean to. What would that change? See, the reality of it is we don't want to extend forgiveness. We just want to receive forgiveness. Jesus is the the greatest forgiver that has ever been, and we love that, but we don't want to be about forgiveness. What is the Christ that they see if you're the Christ that they know? He says, to God, this is how God views us, the church on this planet. We are the fragrance of Christ. Man, we got to do better about that. Among those, look, who are being saved and among those who are perishing, we're the fragrance of Christ to all people. To those that are being saved, like maybe, maybe currently they're saved and they're in the sanctification process, or maybe God's just working on those people and we're not even aware of it. And maybe to those that are perishing, those that they know they're lost or they think they're lost, it doesn't really matter. They're going to act two totally different ways to us. And we're going to respond in the same way to them. This is in 16. To some we are the scent of death leading to death. You hear that and you're like, man, that sounds depressing. Can I just say this today? You don't get to control how people respond to Jesus. It's not the presentation they have a problem with. It's the product. Some of you, oh, I don't know enough. It's not about what you know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, just, I don't know if I can do that. It's not about what you can do. It's not, it's not a presentation thing. It's a product thing. And if you, if you present to someone who Jesus is, they get to decide what they do with him. That's not up to you. We get so caught up in, I don't know if I'm capable of doing this. You're not capable of doing this. Because it's a spiritual thing, right? Like you just flip over one page on on, on chapter 4, verse 4. It says what? That the world is spiritually blinded. 
And the only person who can remove spiritual blindness is not you. You can't argue somebody into heaven. You can't present somebody into heaven with all your words and all your intellect and all your knowledge. You can't present the gospel any better than somebody who heard it yesterday. Because it's not about the presentation. They ha- it's not that. It's, they have a problem with it. It's the product. It says to some we are the sin of death leading to death, but to others we are the sin of life leading to life. But to some, they're going to hear it and you're going to jack it up and they're going to get saved anyway. The, the, the first time anybody ever got saved when I was preaching a message, I felt like it was the worst message I'd ever preached. I got off and I felt like defeated. I left the stage and I'm like, man, that was the worst mumbly crap I've ever said in my life. Like that's how I felt about that. But yet there were two people that stood up and gave their life to Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus was saying from that day for every day, it's never going to be about your presentation. You can't talent people into heaven. You can't intellect people into heaven. You can't argue people into heaven. That's a me and them thing. You just get to be a sent. I think of it this way. Uh, and I'm going to offend some of you, but I love you. Um, I don't like Diet Coke. I think that's like the worst tasting thing that's ever been invented. And I find like all these scientific reasons you shouldn't drink it. Like it will like affect your brain and then you could get like a disease from it later on in life. And it has nothing to do with that. I just think it tastes gross. And I don't choose Coke because the label is red. I like the taste better. I like the product. If, if they change regular Coke to a gray label, I would still drink it because the product is what I like. If they put Diet Coke in a red label, I would still hate it. Because the product isn't what I like. It's gross. I'm sorry. It's like toothpaste and I'm going to quit there. Um, <laughs> I thought it, but I stopped me. Um, it's just gross. I don't like it. Sorry, Coke, if you're listening to this. It's make it better. Um, um, I just don't like it. And it has nothing to do with the wrapper. You can put it in a can, still hate it. Put it in a bottle, still hate it. You can put it in a little cute bottle, still hate it. Big old bottle, still hate it. You know why? Because I don't like the product. And there's nothing the wrapper can do to change how I feel about the product. It's the same with the gospel. You're the wrapper. You're, you're the label. And some of you are like, well, if I do this, people, no. You be you. You be broken and jacked up and honest about it. But you follow God. You chase him, you pursue him, and you love him. And you love him openly in the workplace, just like you do in this place. And some people are going to see that, and they're going to be offended. It's not the label they're offended by. It's the product. And they will always hate the product. You can't do anything about the product because the moment you change the product, you've changed who Jesus is. You've changed the essence of who he is. And he's not Jesus anymore. He's some other guy who doesn't have the power to save. You can't dilute Jesus and hope that he still does the same thing. There's been churches and Christians who have tried to change the product and they've led people in the wrong direction because you can't do it. I don't want to read parts about the blood. Why? The blood saves people. It's gruesome. It's not your fault. It's the way God chose. And you can't change the message. You can change the method maybe. But you can't change the message. But I just want to say, like, they're not going to accept it better if you're in a suit or you're in swimming trunks. That's not what matters. It's just the wrapper. 
They're not going to accept it better if, if you um, don't talk about it at work and just kind of blend in and be their friend for 30 years, and then, oh, by the way, they died before you got to it. Because it doesn't have anything to do with the wrapper. It's the product. And we either want Jesus, he says in John 10, we're either his sheep who know his voice, or we're not. And you don't get to pick that. You've been called to be the aroma of Christ, and some people are just going to hate Christ. And that's unfortunate, and it's sad, and we should pray against spiritual blindness because maybe their no today will be a yes in a year. And we should continue to be who we are and to share that message because you don't get to decide. But you should never change the product and you shouldn't be concerned about the wrapper. God has called you to follow God. He's called you to say yes to him. And he can use your brokenness. You don't have to pretend like you're perfect. Can I just take the pressure off you? If you're having a sucky day, have a sucky day. It'll get better, and you've got to believe that. Jesus is still good, and you've got to believe that. And you've got to share that, and you can't be offensive and a jerk because you're having a bad day. Sorry. But if somebody says, what's wrong with you? Well, these things, but God is good. You know why? Because that's a billboard outside of the warehouse. Oh, I'm good. That's not honest, it's disingenuine, and it's actually a lie. And people can see right through it, and it doesn't do anything to lift up Jesus, to pretend like you're perfect. Man, I saw you do this the other day. Aren't you a Christian? Yeah, I am, and I'm a mess. And I thank you for calling me out on that. That's hard. Because I need God to change that in my life. But I want you to know this, God can, and he is. And he can change yours too. They meant that for evil, and God just changed that to good, didn't he? I don't know why you never get your work done on time. You're the worst employee I got. Man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God has called me to a higher standard, and I'll work harder. And I just want you to know that I commit to you and to him today that he's called me to be the best employee in this business. And if you'll give me some feedback on ways I can improve that, I will do better. Because I love him and I work for him and then you. That's a, that's a light. That's a city on a hill. That's a I'm in the jailhouse chained to a wall and I don't know why I'm here, but all I know is praise songs. My soundtrack is not negativity. I don't have negativity. You know why? Because Jesus crushes negativity. I can't be negative when I was dead and now I'm alive. That's the news flash of my life. That's the best day ever. And that's where it really is important today. I know all this other stuff is a burden and it weighs me down. But I want you to know I was dead. And when I die physically, spiritually, I'm going to be more alive than ever through what Jesus has done. Amen. So negativity, I can't be about that. Hatefulness, I can't be about that. My God is not a hateful God and I will not display a hateful God to them. He says, thanks be to God who put us under the microscope. Thanks be to God who put us in the glass bowl. Thanks be to God who made my life a fish tank that everybody can see it because I know the weight that's on me. I got to be Christ because they'll probably never come in here. But all the billboards can go out there. They'll probably never come because we got great lots. Thank you, Tommy. 
Outstanding job. You'll get more Christians here probably. Lost, they don't care about that. We got music, and it's good. Thank God for that. Lost people don't care. They got radios. We got a speaker. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's never going to get anybody here. It's not. You got to meet them out there. That's what Paul is saying that Jesus has called us to. He said we've been called to be the fragrance of life to those that are going to be living, and we've been called to be the fragrance of death to those that are dying. And he says, who is competent for this? Not you, but him. For we are not like the many who make a trade in God's message. We're not doing this for a platform or a profit. We're not doing this when it's only going to benefit us. That's what he's saying. Man, I wish God would crush that in the church. If it's only worth doing when it makes you feel good or it benefits you or it's the job that you like, don't ever do anything here, please. Because it ain't helping anybody. God's called us to serve in the places we don't want to be. He says, but with sincerity we speak in Christ as from God and before God. As we we realize the seriousness and the mission, we've been sent by God and we're speaking for God and that's why we do it. Thanks be to God who will use people like me to display something like him. Can we just go back to that picture? You got it? Yeah. Thanks be to God that he'll use something like me that has nothing to do with him. I don't look like him. I don't smell like him. I don't act like him. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner to the core, and I'm the worst kind. But he'll put me right here so that somebody can see that. He'll use me down here or maybe up here, maybe even up there, so somebody can see the big picture. Today, he's not asking you to be perfect, and he's not asking you to have it all together. He's just asking you to say yes, whatever that yes looks like, right? He's just asking you to say yes, and it is a blessing that we get to be part of the display of Jesus because we got no place in it. It is a blessing today that God allows us to, to be inside of that story because we got no place in it. Isn't it amazing today that God would take somebody like you and he would allow you to to ignite somebody else's story for God? See, Paul knows that he shouldn't be part of this, right? You ever read anything that Paul's wrote? Oh, I was Jewish, persecuted the church, I hated them, I held people's coats while they killed Christians, I had Christians thrown in jail. I'm the chief among sinners. That's That's how Paul talks about himself. I'm the worst of the worst. But then he wraps right back around and he says, I may be the worst of the worst, but thanks be to God who uses the worst to point to the very best. Man, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. And today God is inviting us into that ministry and that blessing. Man, I know for some of you today, you hear that and you're like, I can't do that. No, you cannot, but Jesus can do it in you. I fully believe that. Some of us focus so much on how we don't have the words to say. Why don't you start with how you act? If you don't display Jesus at work, please do not talk about him until you fix that. Please don't wear your Christian t-shirt until you fix that. If you're going to flip people off when they cut you off, please scrape that bumper sticker off the back of your car because that's not the press and PR the church needs. Right? 
People already burn out with the church because they see a bunch of hypocritical people that want to talk more about what we don't like than what we do like. See, the world knows everything we don't believe in, but they don't really know much about what we do, do they? Today, Jesus is calling us to talk a whole lot more about what we do believe. To be, to be willing and able to confront negativity with the gospel. To confront bad days with, but I got the greatest news. Jesus is calling us right to, to the restaurants when we leave this place. He's not saying, wait till you read the whole Bible to start acting like me. You know enough today that your life could transform if you just put it in action. Right? You know that Jesus is loving? That's a yes or no question, people. You know Jesus is loving? Then you should be. You know Jesus is forgiving? Then you should be. What verse reference do I need for that? You know Jesus cares about lost people? Then you should. You know Jesus loves people that are bad people? Then you should. You know people spit in Jesus' face and he said, Father, forgive them? People spit in yours, you should too. God's inviting us into that today. And today, for some of you, maybe it's, I just need to come to know Jesus because I don't. I just want you to know, man, I know we talked a whole lot about what the gospel should look like in our lives today, but I just want you to know today, Jesus takes broken, sinful people that are no good, that are hurting, that are wretched, and he transforms our lives with the story of God loves us and he died for us. And that's true for you today. I know for some of you today, you just need to say yes to, to, to Jesus. God's put people in your life, and you know it, right? You know God put you at work in a job you hate because that guy right there needs Jesus, and you know that. You know in your home who needs Jesus. You know in your family who needs Jesus. You know what relationships you need to mend. You know where you need to reconcile. You know all those things. I don't have to tell you all those things. God's already told you all those things. And today he's just saying, are you going to do it because you love me? Or are you going to wait on something more significant? Because I just want you to know you're going to die in a chair if you're waiting on more, something more significant than the glory of God through the gospel of Christ. You're going to die in that seat. That's the platform today. You jump on that platform, God may expand it, or you may just fall in love with that platform, but God's calling you today. God's calling you today to a ministry. He says, go make disciples. Literally, as you are leaving this place today, you're going to meet people that need Jesus, and you have him, so show it. Be a light. Be a city. And be salt. Be the fragrance of Christ. Let's pray.